Welcome to Living Through the Word, the podcast ministry of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, a diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, and a member diocese of GAFCON. Here on Living Through the Word, we bring in guests from across the diocese and Anglicanism worldwide to talk about ministry and faith and our life as Christians together. I'm Julian Dobbs, the diocesan bishop of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, and it's my incredible privilege to welcome to Living Through the Word uh, Archbishop Laurent Mbanda from Rwanda. Your Grace, welcome, sir. Thank you very much. A pleasure to be with you. Thank you. You were born in Rwanda, but spent a large part of your childhood, I believe, in Burundi, graduating later at the Kenyan Highlands Bible College before returning to Burundi, where you were ordained an Anglican priest. Uh, moving to the United States in 1984, you completed coursework for an MA in Missiology and World Missions and a Master of Arts in Christian Education at Denver uh, Seminary and then a PhD at Trinity International University. Uh, you were consecrated a bishop in 2010 and elected the fourth Archbishop and Primate of Rwanda in 2018. Uh, I've had the incredible privilege of traveling with you on numerous occasions. Most recently, it was a great privilege uh, to spend a little bit of time with you in the country of my birth in New Zealand, where we attended the <laughs> consecration of uh, uh, GAFCOM Bishop J. Bean. So just so, so great uh, to have you with us, Archbishop. Tell us um, a little bit about yourself. Did you, did you grow up in a Christian home? Well, thank you very much. It's a joy to share with you. Um, my parents, my both parents were Catholic. Uh, my father became a Christian in a refugee camp in Burundi. Uh, uh, a year later, my mother became a Christian. And uh, my father had started a school in, uh, in a refugee camp. This school came to be sponsored later on by a mission called World Gospel Mission. Mm. And those are the missionaries that brought my father to, to Christ. And so in a way, I would say that uh, I grew up in that family atmosphere after my both parents had accepted Christ. And... Um, but during the refugee days, um, every time on a Sunday when there was a preaching and an invitation for people to come forward, as far as I remember, I went every Sunday, mainly because <laughs> there was a little, a little caveat, because every time you came back after uh, raising your hand and accepting Christ, you either get, got a crayon or a book or something, some kind of a gift or some used clothing. So for many years, I remember going forward so many times that though I may have received the cross at that time, I didn't really know exactly when I committed my life to Christ. Mm -hmm. But uh, when I went to secondary school in uh, 69, um, I went to a, a boarding mission um, uh, Bible school in a way. It was a secondary school that is mixed with uh, really general education. Uh, we had uh, a, a national preacher from Burundi came in what we called a uh, week of uh, holiness emphasis, and he preached the gospel. 
And to cut a long story short, I felt touched by the Holy Spirit, and I moved forward to be prayed for and to recommit my life to Christ, especially since I had not known when I did that, even though I believed uh, that somewhere, somehow I had done it, but I have, have, had lived a very challenging up and down Christian testimony. So from that time when I recommitted, um, I started really serving the Lord through VBS, Vacation Bible School. I started moving from some other schools to other schools for Christian witness. And until I finished my high school, then went to Kenya. My going to Kenya was almost like an adventure, was looking for green pastures. Burundi was mm. a difficult uh, situation at that time. And so I left Burundi and walked um, 500 miles, uh, almost six months to Kenya through some difficult times, following people who were doing um, smuggling, basically lived in the streets of the Nairobi. But I thank God for his protection, for his provision, for opening doors for me. Yes, thank you for sharing that. I want to take you back, uh, Archbishop, if you would allow me, uh, to 1959, when ethnic tensions in um, Rwanda ignited. That would become the first uh, wave of uh, the deadly organized massacres against the Tutsi in Rwanda and uh, a precursor to the horrific genocide uh, that many of those listening to this podcast will recall in 1994, in which, is it a million or more Rwandans were killed in in 100 days? Um, But on that, yeah, is that right? More than a million, yes. Yeah, just just horrific, horrific massacres and suffering. Um, Back in 1959, uh, you were about five, Uh, and uh, uh, you write about this in your book. Um, You knew three things. First, that the air was filled with smoke. Second, that your father was missing. And third, that your frightened mother uh, was telling you that you had to run and hide, Uh, and you would become one of tens of thousands of Rwandan children literally running for their lives, Uh, one of the many children who would grow up in refugee camps amid dire poverty horrific situations, almost no doubt too painful to talk about. Can you take us back to that time, if you would, sir? Uh, Because in your book, which we'll reference in a moment, uh, and I encourage people to read, you, you, you speak about how horrific that time was, but you never lost your faith. Um, Can you, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes, um, you know, uh, during that time, it was a very difficult time, and uh, much of what I shared and say is the stories that I was told um, uh, with my family, with my parents, but, uh, you know, we fled from Rwanda into the country of Burundi. Like I said, my father was missing. We fled. Uh, I fled with my grandmother. My mother had proceeded because she was expecting a baby. And, uh, uh, but through all that, uh, somehow uh, we got to a Danish mission station in Burundi and they were missionaries, they were people, they were people preaching the gospel. And um, I, I always, even though it was a hopeless situation, I always trusted and believed that somehow God will, 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 will protect us and will deliver us. And um, so we we lived in the uh, refugee camp uh, in uh, 
Press of the Danish Baptist. Later on, we were moved to a mission station that was being, um, that they had a refugee uh, resettlement uh, that was run by the Anglican Church. And there were some missionaries there. And that's where I met my father on a feeding line as kids were lining up to receive milk. Uh, my father was dishing milk for kids. And um, and I had my brook up waiting for him to pour milk. But uh, apparently I understand he didn't pour milk. Instead, he picked me up and started asking where my mother was. And I was screaming and kicking and saying, I want milk. Uh, <laughs> and uh, But through all that time, um, with my parents uh, becoming Christians in the refugee camp, I really trusted and believed that God uh, was with us. I learned Psalm 23 early on. I remember reciting it all the time, whether I went to fetch water or whether I went to fetch wood, firewood, or whether I went to school. Uh, and that Psalm became an anchor of my faith and trust in the Lord and uh, really um, inspired me to look at God as my refuge. And so uh, from that time on, um, my father working with uh, refugee kids, and I always saw myself as a partner with him and trying to help him, even though at a certain time I felt like he was paying attention to all other kids except us in my family. <laughs> it is now I understand what he was doing and have grown to love and to appreciate what he did, even though mm. at one time I was resentful of that. I'm speaking with Archbishop Laurent Mbanda, the Archbishop of the Anglican Church of Rwanda, uh, uh, the Vice Chairman, the Deputy Chairman of GAFCON, uh, uh, a brother in Christ and a personal friend. Archbishop Mbanda's story is written in a book he wrote in 2017 called From Barefoot to Bishop. We'll reference it uh, in the show notes of this episode. It's available on Amazon, uh, From Barefoot to Bishop. I encourage you uh, to read it. Archbishop, can you tell us now just a little bit about the Anglican Church of Rwanda? I've got some questions to ask, but take us back to the beginning of the church. Tell us, if you would, sir, just a little about the East African Revival and the importance um, of that with regards to the growth of the church? Well, the Anglican Church of Rwanda was started as, a, as an offshoot of outreach of ministry, actually from Uganda. And uh, it was missionaries who came, not necessarily pastors. My understanding is that they were part of the Church Mission Society largely professionals that moved and came into Rwanda, many of them doctors and other teachers and nurses. And so for a long time, Rwanda, Burundi, and Congo were a part, an outreach of the ministry from, uh, from Uganda. Um, the East African revival that uh, is often referenced and talked about happened in a place called Gahini, is a diocese now, and the diocese of Gaheni is really the birthplace of the East Africa revival, which uh, happened as a result of the touch of the Holy Spirit ministry to a missionary, I believe is George Church and um, and a national, 
that really confronted each other and shared uh, and prayed together and received the touch of the Holy Spirit. And from that, uh, they started um, sharing what the Lord had done for them publicly as many others in, uh, joined. And it became, um, it became a movement that, that started in Igahini, launched into the whole country of Rwanda, went into Uganda, returned to Kenya and Tanzania. You still have remnants of the East Africa revival in, in, in Kenya and in Tanzania and Uganda. I was in a press uh, in, in, in Kenya, a place called Kitale. And when I said I'm from Rwanda, I heard the people raising their hands and singing a song called Tukutenda is a yes. And uh, that is a song that was sung by, by uh, uh, people who were part of the East African um, revival movement. Uh, that movement has challenged us in our faith, has challenged us in our walk, because really the main, the anchor of it was walking in the light and a Christian witness that would move from one village to another. And the public confession that was not ashamed of saying, Christ is my savior. He has saved me from this and that. And so that really influenced the country of Rwanda. It influenced the East Africa revival as a whole. I believe that today that, that revival is still going on. It may not be on the same fire as it was at that time, but I believe that that revival is still going on and that um, it really anchors us on the scripture. Uh, Rwanda has uh, very much espoused the scripture as the, as the word of God, and the Christian witness is still going on. Even in the very difficult situation that we went through of the genocide, yes, the genocide happened. Yes, many questions were raised. Where was God? Uh, others were saying, well, this is a country that was over 80% Christian. Uh, maybe one can say that this is sometimes what happens when discipleship is shallow. Uh, I believe that the, the, the discipleship was not deep. I believe that the teaching of pastors was not deep. And I think this is where we probably need to do more discipleship. This is where we need to do training and, uh, of our pastors, especially since you think about Rwanda, you think about the pastors, you know, you, majority, over, over 95% of our pastors range from grade three to grade nine. And so there is a serious, a serious need for training pastors. But we still reap fruits of the East Africa revival today, in fact, worldwide. And I believe that we are where we are today, proclaiming the gospel unshamefully, um, uh, uh, and, and, and in, 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 a, in, in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. I think that is an inspiration that comes from that East Africa revival. So the Church of Rwanda, the Anglican Church of Rwanda is growing. We have over a million point two members. We have over 2,300 something local congregations and organized under about 450 parishes. Uh, we have um, uh, we have 436 uh, um, priesthood uh, pastors, 
but we have a lot of catechists and evangelists. If you get into those numbers, you are over 2,000. And the church continues to grow, and we thank God for that. Uh, Rwanda, the Anglican Church of Rwanda, has, has a strong influence in the GAFCON movement. If you think about what happened in the U.S. early on, I think Rwanda, Uganda, and Nigeria were together in that. And uh, we continue to stand on the scripture, the authority of scripture. We continue to stand firm on proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. We continue to, um, um, I wouldn't say to, to, you know, to fight the culture that uh, is trying to move us away from the authority of scripture and move us away from believing in Jesus Christ as a personal savior. But we stand firm to the proclamation of the good news and the gospel unshamedly, and uh, we are a key player in the uh, in the GAFCON movement. We are so incredibly grateful, uh, Archbishop, uh, for the Church of Rwanda's partnership with us in the Anglican Church in North America here in the very early days of uh, the reestablishment of faithful, biblical, united, missionary Anglicanism uh, in North America. Uh, You and those with you uh, were key players and still are uh, in that time. Um, And we're so thrilled to hear of the growth of the church in Rwanda. And I'm going to talk uh, before we conclude about some of the uh, current challenges you face and invite people to support us through our partnership with our our charity, Catechismos Global. Uh, But Archbishop, I just want to ask you with regards to uh, GAFCON, um, you made a very courageous statement last year and the name of the province was slightly amended, and you took out of it the word province. Um, province to us as Anglicans seem to be um, words that we, we love to talk about, but you said something like this, that um, uh, we come to the conclusion that we're a global communion. We seek only to be a colony, in, uh, a colony of heaven. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about that? It was a very, very courageous thing to do. Well, I think uh, I, th- I think we were looking at that and asking ourselves a province of what, and realizing that as we look at that, yes, we are a part of the Anglican Communion. Uh, we have not left the Anglican Communion. We still intend to be part of the Anglican Communion, but we also know that the instruments uh, of of uh, of the Anglican Communion that uh, we, as we know them from the um, Archbishop of Canterbury and others have not worked, and therefore we felt like one, we need to to, to really stand on the authority of Scripture. Second, we needed to not be bought, not be bought either by money, not be bought either by, uh, by different ideologies and the philosophies. We needed to be bought by the true doctrine, by by being uh, biblical in our thinking, in our approach, in our ministry, emphasizing on evangelism. So we wanted to be the Anglican Church of Rwanda and be a member of the Anglican Communion and be part of the movement of, 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 of GAFCON. Many times I think we have been tried, people have been take, trying to take away from the scripture, taking us, if you do this, we do that. We didn't want to be bought. We wanted to stand firm on the proclamation 
of the scripture. So that's why we said we are the Anglican Church of Rwanda, and we will associate ourselves with those who believe in the scripture, with those who believe in the Trinity, with those who believe in the person of Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, and we will continue to proclaim Christ as our Savior. It's so refreshing, Archbishop, isn't it, to talk about those fundamentals of the faith, the scripture, proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord, being faithful unto him by his grace, which are the things, of course, that unite us together, uh, rather than those historical instruments of which you've spoken. I want to talk to you, uh, I know that there are numerous challenges that um, uh, uh, the Church of Rwanda is facing. In the midst of those challenges, uh, God is is doing an incredible thing. You've told us about that, the growth of the church, over a million members, catechists, priests, uh, deacons being raised up. What, a, what an incredible uh, move of God, the Holy Spirit, in his church. Um, but just like us in the United States and around the world, you are, uh, in Rwanda are being severely uh, inhibited and challenged by the COVID-19 situation. Um, there's, I know from reading up about Rwanda, that there's serious challenges coming across the border from truck drivers, we're bringing infection into the country. Very difficult to isolate all of that. Um, I, I'd like you, first of all, to tell us uh, what's the situation in Rwanda, uh, how are you dealing with this in the church? And then secondly, uh, I know you and your wife, even as recently as yesterday, were working incredibly hard in your labors to try and support people with food. And we're going to invite uh, the listeners of the podcast to assist you in that. But can you tell us what's the situation? How's the church dealing with it? And then um, and what well, are you doing? Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. First of all, let me say that the Rwandan government took some serious measure early on. And I think that has helped with the control of the COVID-19 um, uh, everything, we are in lockdown. This lockdown is almost coming to the eighth week. And currently, we have a few cases. We have, uh, as of yesterday, I believe we had 175 uh, cases, if not 76 cases. And we have some people who have uh, been healed and gone home. We have others uh, that uh, are still in hospital and no death yet. And the movement is controlled. There is really no moving in the city, no moving in the districts. Uh, if you have to go out, you have to ask for permission. And so we are staying home. But we still have truck drivers from Tanzania, from Uganda that are coming through. And even that, they are putting some measures of trying to protect that. As far as church is concerned, our churches have been closed. But we have been able to, interesting enough, to adapt to media and technology, which was not a part of how we operated and did things. So we have been able to be on radio on Sundays. We have been able to be on the national TV and other local TVs. Uh, Bishops have been able to exchange and present messages on Sunday. We have been able to do small messages that have gone through YouTube, through WhatsApp, through uh, SMS. So we have kept touch with our believers and with our congregations. Rwanda was structured in a way that every day they had small groups, Bible study groups or serving groups or 
or uh, or Bible study groups, what you call study groups. So we have been able to remain in touch with those readers of those groups. So really, uh, something happening. Yes, we are not uh, being able to tithe and support the church. We are not being able to give our offerings, mainly because most of our people are poor in the rural areas, and those who are in the city do not have jobs. But there are still those who are able to encourage others so that uh, they can share whatever they have. Uh, so that's how we have operated really ministry-wise. TV, radio, WhatsApp, YouTube, SMSs, and keeping encouraging you one another. I've been also able to stay in touch with all the bishops. I try to call them um, every week and call each one of them as they also call their archdeacons and the pastors. Um, daily labors have been affected and impacted, especially in the cities, because they are not working. So the government tried to provide food, which is not enough, but also the government has reached out to NGOs, to private sector, to churches, to do what we can to try to help. It is very difficult when uh, when churches, church members are not being able to tithe to uh, to provide uh, offerings so that we can help. But we have been trying. So um, what we are doing now is to try to get whatever we get, we try to attend to the needs of the most vulnerable um, in the city, in the outskirts of the city. We are also trying to pay attention to the pastors. Pastors in rural areas have house parishes, so that's not as a challenge as much. But pastors in the town, in the city, they normally rent. And the stipend that they normally get is very small, which they are not getting. So we have to come to their help um, uh, in, in whatever we can. So basically, the bottom line is whatever we have, we share. And we are encouraging believers. We are encouraging other churches worldwide to be the church of the New Testament, where people share what they have. And... Uh, and that's what we are trying to do in, in our case. So the need is great, especially for daily laborers who are not working, pastors in the city who are not getting any stipend, even other pastors in the rural area. Diocese offices had had to actually reduce staff and suspend some staff. In the provincial office, I have about 12 staff. Uh, only one and myself are 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 working. Others have been suspended until we see what happens in the future. So that is the need is great, but the greatest need is right now is food to provide food to the families that are needy, and uh, that's where we encourage people to come alongside. So, listeners of Living Through the Word, I'm speaking with Archbishop Mbanda. Uh, the uh, Archbishop of the Church of Rwanda. Uh, he's told us about the incredible journey that that church has made, their impact on us in North America. And now in a moment of crisis, which we are all facing together, uh, we have an opportunity to stand with him and with the church in Rwanda. He, he, he mentioned it just briefly, but when I was engaging with the Archbishop just a few days ago, uh, he said to me that dioceses and provincial officers have suspended staff because there are no contributions, no offerings, no tithes coming in. Uh, and so whatever comes in, they send it out to help these vulnerable families. So I'm, I'm wanting to give uh, you the opportunity 
to support Archbishop Laurent Mbanda uh, and his work. Um, he and his wife are working uh, tirelessly to support with others, uh, the vulnerable in their communities. We're talking about gifts of flour and beans and rice and soap and oil and sugar uh, to help vulnerable families. To provide all that costs US $22, $22. Now I know all of us, including myself and Brenda, are in situations where we are being very careful about income and expenditure during this lockdown period. Our own churches are struggling in some centers, but I'm asking you if you would stand with our brother, the Archbishop of Rwanda, and help to support those who are suffering alongside of us as they were so generous to support us in our spiritual time of need. And the way you can do that is to give uh, through uh, our charity, which is associated with the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, Catechismos Global. If you go to kgiglobal.org, uh, we will have a link up there, which enables you to support uh, the COVID-19 necessities in the Anglican Church of Rwanda. I think you said to me yesterday, uh, Archbishop, that you and your wife, your wife was working so hard at making some of this distribution. Is that right? Yes, that's what we were doing. We were basically whatever we had gotten, we were packaging it in, uh, in uh, sizes of five kilos of, of, of sugar, 10 kilos of maize flour, you know, those kind of things and putting it in very nice packages so that we can invite people to come, keeping the social distance that is required, and, uh, and others putting them in a truck and just delivering them. So that's what we were doing yesterday. We had been blessed by uh, the help of Hope International that had given us almost 300 uh, kilos of different things that we were distributing. So we were able to help 30 families. Uh, but there are hundreds of families that uh, that needs the support. The, the need Regardless is enormous. What, yeah. The need Go is ahead, enormous. Sir. Regarding of regarding of uh, all that, we really are excited in the church of what God has been doing uh, before the coronavirus, and we believe that uh, it, will, it will come again. God will always intervene. You know, in the Anglican Church of Rwanda, we have had five pillars that we have been focusing on for the next five years. One is equipping clergy and equipping pastors because of the need I was sharing. So we were in the process of starting a seminary, and we are waiting for accreditation. We thank God for what he is doing. We are promoting evangelism and discipleship as a second pillar. We are promoting early childhood. We have started 486 new early childhood centers, especially for the most vulnerable in rural areas. That's exciting. We are promoting sound and transparent financial management by introducing QuickBooks in our businesses, in our parishes. They have been exciting to watch and to see. We have, we, now this one is challenging us to a fifth period that we had. How do we be uh, self-sustaining, self-sufficient? How do we sustain our ministry? And this is an exciting area of growth that we have to look on the sustainability of the ministry of the church in times like this. In my previous organizations, we had what we call the reserve fund. Deserved. I don't know if something like that can happen, but this, this COVID-19 is going to leave us with some 
interesting lessons that we have to meditate on, think about, pray about, and seek God's wisdom as to how to look into the future, while being excited about how God will carry us through all of this. Perhaps, Your Grace, the Lord's Reserve Fund uh, for the Church of Rwanda in this period uh, is the Lord's people uh, who are listening to this podcast and those who are uh, supporting you. KGIglobal.org. You can support uh, Archbishop Mbanda. Uh, I want to tell you how much I love this man. Uh, I pray for him daily. He's an incredible Thank gift you. to me personally uh, and to uh, the church, especially to our GAFCOM movement. And I can't speak strongly enough uh, of uh, our, our desire to support you. We also have one other thing in common, Your Grace, don't we? Because you and I were almost racing to see who would bet to be grandparents first. And you beat me. <laughs> you beat me just. You have a beautiful granddaughter. Tell us about her. Thank you. Thank you. This little, this little, little beautiful angel, her name is Sarah. And uh, she is an amazing blessing to us, uh, uh, Bishop Junian. My daughter was born in Colorado when we were students there. She grew up there. Uh, five years ago, she decided to move to Rwanda to be closer to us. If she had not moved, I think my wife would have moved to the States because that's where our other kids are. And so her being here has been a blessing to our ministry already. Uh, we love to see her pictures. We can't get her to go and hold and, uh, and and kiss her right now. But she's going. She's starting to move around, and she has been a blessing. So we can hardly wait to get on hangout. Do you call it hangout party or party house? Something house like party? that, yes. Something like that. And yes. just, 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 to see just, each other. just adore her and to pray for <laughs> her and to encourage the mom. So it is a joy. I know the joy you have. I know your granddaughter is way out in California, uh, but uh, I pray that you'll be able to see her face and, 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 and uh, hang out or a house party or something because it just brings the joy. So when uh, you are tired, when you, all these things, it just, just go and look at her. Everything melts away. <laughs> there you go. And uh, we have a special <laughs> connection because her name is Selah. She shares the same name as our producer of this podcast. Uh, his youngest daughter uh, is also Selah, the same name. And so we're grateful That's to celebrate amazing. that. Archbishop uh, Mbanda, I wonder if you would pray for us, sir, as we conclude our time yes. together. Yes. Yes, our Heavenly Father, you are our refuge. You are the only one that we can run to. You are the one, one who has carried us from way back to where we are today. You have taken us through difficult times. You are the same God. Father, we know that there are many people who are starving and many people who need your help. Many people need you are the healer. You are also the Jehovah Jireh, the provider. So we pray that you will meet us in our homes and that, Father, you will give us the peace, that peace that surpasses our understanding, that peace that brings calmness and completeness, harmony in our home and in our life, that peace that causes us to trust you and to depend on you on everything that peace 
that we often proclaim and we often give as a blessing. Father, we pray that your, your presence will overwhelm us. And that through even this difficult time, people will come to know you through your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. We also pray, Father, that you will continue to, to use your people for your glory, to minister to others, to be the salt and the light that we need to be, to be the encouragement and the encouragers during this difficult time, to stand up and, and, and witness for you and be the shining star of those that we have called to make a difference in this world. Intervene, Father, we pray that you will bring, uh, uh, you know, through, through, through the people that have will, given wisdom, that there will either be a vaccine or that there will be a cure then that, 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 that will stop this coronavirus. So protect all of us, wherever we may be, protect us in our homes, but also open doors for us to continue to minister. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. I invite you to join with Brenda and me in supporting Archbishop Mbanda of the Anglican Church of Rwanda, kgiglobal.org. This is Living Through the Word, and I'm Julian Dobbs. I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. Thank you.